I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we cut an impassioned promo on the episode of NXT that originally aired on November 20th, 2014. And if I don't do a better job on this podcast than Megan Bob does... Oh, no. Then I am done. Oh, no. I don't like this. I'm just kidding. That happens literally every episode. I'm still going. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Welcome to episode 79 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, Neil Butler came on the show. He's so cute. We loved having him so much, and he is very cute. Thank you. But that butt, though. Come on now. I know, right? Y'all couldn't hear it over the podcast audio, unless it's doing more work than I thought it would be. But uh, (laughs) if you ever see it with your own two eyes, you'll be rewarded. (laughs) Hi, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, look, fact, you know? Fact, as Tyson Kidd would say. No Neil on this episode, sadly, but we do have even more Sami Zayn, Adrian Neville drama. And speaking of things I can hear over the audio recording, I can hear Bob's boner from here. Yeah, it's pretty intense, man. But before we get to Bob's boner, <laughs> we have to get through Bob's breakdown. Honestly, we could just, like, call the breakdown Bob's Boner and it would basically be the same thing. But it's not called that. True. It's called the breakdown. After which we will dive into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Gird one or more performers' waists with the championship belt that is the Bullrun's Olivier Award for outstanding commitment to the bit. And here a brand new and uncharacteristically bloody Megan Bob fanfic. <laughs> no wrestling term of the week this week because I didn't have time to write one. I'm sorry. That happens sometimes. <laughs> I have a job now. I've heard that the life has a whole thing to it and sometimes things happen. But Bob will be participating in another edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Oh man. Since we had a guest on the last episode, we don't have any Cheap Pop Quiz answers to go over. So Bob... Let's just jump into it. Hit us with Bob's Breakdown. Our commentary team for this episode is Rich Brennan, Alex Riley, and Renee Young. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. It sure is. (laughs) A lot happens, and it happens real fast in this episode. So I don't think anything lasts longer than five minutes. So don't blink. All right, match one. Bailey versus Becky. And Becky has new gear. And it's... She does. It's like a mead composite notebook, but with less style cred, (laughs) I think. A cruel, but I think accurate. Oh, I do need to point out, she does still have the unnecessary flaps, though. Yes. What are they for? Flapping. Yeah. All right. So Bailey starts in control, but Becky Lynch shuts that shit down real quick. And while Bailey mounts a comeback, Sasha distracts the ref, allowing Becky to bean Bailey on the ropes. And then this affair concludes with a roll up from Becky and a juicy handful of tights for good measure. Sasha and Becky get in the ring and do the, oh, is baby gonna cry? You gonna cry about (laughs) losing like a little baby? And then Charlotte shows up to scatter them like roaches, which I wrote that phrase and then went, that's weird. Because I've seen a lot of roaches where they just like stare you in the eye like, I ain't afraid of God and I ain't afraid of you. And you're like, okay, buddy. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sometimes they fly at you. It's terrifying. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I guess the kitchen's yours now. Like, (laughs) I hope you can pay rent, but I'm moving out. Bye. That's why I use my time-honored strategy of shoving Sharon into the room and hiding behind her so she can deal with it. (laughs) Also, you may have noticed that 
This style of Bob's breakdown is significantly briefer and snappier. That is because you are not missing anything. (laughs) It is very cut and dried for the most part. You, there were three cool moves in the entire show. That's it. It really does feel like this episode is like sort of treading water until it gets to the Zane Neville segment. Yeah, and that's a lot of water to be tread. Mm. Trod, perhaps? Hard to say. Trodden? Trodden-nated? Sure. Backstage, Charlotte and Bailey are having some GF time. And Charlotte's going out of town, question mark. (laughs) And Bailey is not to go anywhere near Sasha or ask for a match or anything. And Bailey does a reluctant like, okay. And then hug Charlotte. Prediction. Bailey is definitely going to ask for a match. (laughs) This is natural. This is the way all relationships are. There's a Charlotte and there's a Bailey. Right. I am a Bailey. I recognize what a Bailey's going to (laughs) do. So. <laughs> All right, we'll keep that in mind for the cheap pop quiz for no reason in particular. Fair enough. Match number two, the VOD villains come out and they're super hot and beautiful and we love them. And then the Lucha Indeed. Dragons music hits and two little people come out in Lucha masks. Welp, I hate it. So the the VOD villains call a ref and then wrestle these two little people. And I'm not going to talk about it because the little people in this match were not characters. They wear props, and I don't want to give that kind of thing oxygen. So the villains wrap up the match quickly with a pin, and I am sure this was supposed to do something that I was supposed to care about. And instead, I felt nothing but distaste and boredom. Miles, what the fuck was NXT hoping I would feel here? Because I felt nothing they probably wanted me to feel. I want to talk about this more later on in the episode, actually. All right. But I think what you were supposed to feel is disgust for the vaude villains that they would do such a thing oh. because that is traditionally when little people are used this way in wrestling that's usually the goal okay is for the heel to get heat as they say instead i just felt bad for them that everybody had to do any of this right and that's actually that particular sentiment is kind of what i want to talk about later but we'll get to it okay add on 12, 11, 14, a cute chonk guy with a beard is coming to NXT. Now, I do know it's Kevin Owens, but mostly I just care that he's a super cute beardy chonk boy, which is one of the 70 plus types of people that I think are super hot. (laughs) Surprised that number is that low. (laughs) Well, I said 70 plus. That's true. You did say that. You made that caveat. It could be like a million. That's also <laughs> 70 plus. Technically, you would be accurate. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. Got it. Match number three. Lady Whistledown's match report. Oh, boy. Let's do it. It has been a quiet week in our little social set, but one thing is certain. Baron Corbin is continuing to make waves amongst the ton and showing no mercy to those who stand in his way. We can add Mr. Elias Sampson to that list after this evening's events. What is perhaps of more interest is the manner in which Baron Corbin crossed paths on the stairs with Mr. Dempsey. Does this portend something for the next musicale evening? This author shall be keeping a sharp watch on this situation, rest assured. So then that happened, right? Okay. Baron Corbin pinned Elias Sampson in like, I don't know, 30 seconds, something. Match number four. Oh boy. Oh boy. So the crowd has just seen Baron Corbin destroy Elias Sampson in less than like a minute. And as the crowd counted the seconds that it took Baron Corbin to win, they are now watching Bull Dempsey coming after Steve Cutler and counting the seconds, hopeful that it's going to be a complete squash in just the same way that Baron Corbin was. And it is, but it takes maybe two minutes before Bull Dempsey does the flying headbutt on Steve Cutler and the audience. Wow. That is a good 75 seconds too long or so for them because they start aggressively booing Bull Dempsey. Just for like, (laughs) they're like, you're taking an extra minute or whatever to finish? Fuck you. Fuck you. Get out of here. And then they start chanting, Baron's better. And I'm like, 
I mean, I guess <laughs> that's a weird definition, but I, if that's what you're looking for, if this is a time trial, then yes, Baron is better. Baron's definitely faster. Yeah, exactly. I do think that the crowd was just kind of like, hey, wait a minute, you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> On a side note, stop doing the flying headbutt. Stop doing it. Stop doing yeah. the flying headbutt now. Stop it. Bull Dempsey took the win, obviously, but I guess this is setting up a whole thing. So, Miles, I just want to check. This is on purpose, right? Like, they knew that the audience was going to turn on Bull, probably? At the very least, the placement of the matches was on purpose, one right after the other. And Lady Whistledown was very astute in her observation about the timing of Bull Dempsey's entrance occurring before Baron Corbin had made it back through the curtain, which usually doesn't happen in wrestling, unless it's intentional, which in this case, I will go ahead and tell you, yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Match number five. See, we're already up to five. Yeah, it's going fast. Tyson Kidd is fighting CJ Parker. I mean, he is fighting CJ Parker. My tone is not to convey that he's <laughs> possibly fighting someone else and that is not actually <laughs> CJ Parker. My tone is intended to convey, why are we doing this? Pourquoi? Pourquoi any of this? Why happening? <laughs> I will say, very pleased to see upwards of like five people vigorously supporting CJ Parker. You love to see it. I mean, they gotta support somebody. They're both heels, which is such weird booking. Yeah, but I guess there are different kinds of heels in that CJ Parker has like go away heat and then Tyson Kidd has, all right, we kind of like you heat. That's true. That's true. I mean, I don't know. It's weird. But the crowd is split on who to hate, and it was kind of fun. I could not tell what they were chanting whenever they were doing the dueling chants, but I was delighted nonetheless. I couldn't either. Tyson Kidd does some fancy rope nonsense to tangle CJ Parker up in it and take advantage. Total divas, the crowd chants. It's very cute. <laughs> Parker isn't here for fucking around, though. He shoves Kid at the turnbuckles, and Kid bounces right the fuck off them in the ugliest way that is so beautiful because that's what Kid does. Kid has actual skills, though. Real skills acquired in the Heart Dungeon, the only place you can get them. He locks in the sharpshooter, and Parker taps out. But the most important part of this thing is that kid celebrates his win like it was an actual win, which I love it when he does that. Oh He's like, God. oh, I'm amazing. Like, I'm so good at my job. Look at me. And then he gets on the mic to challenge Finn Baylor to a match. Finn Baylor. Next week. So come back next time for that. I just hope he doesn't next challenge Finn Duke and Finn Gonzaga. Oh! That is a joke for college sports fans. There you go. It took me a minute, and only because I know that Baylor is a university did I then put these pieces together, but I did it. <laughs> I solved this very simple crossword. Thank you. I wish I had an exaggerated <laughs> available to me. Match number six. It's Enzo and Cass versus Baby FTR, a.k.a. Yeah. Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder. And how much, Miles, how much, you're not a betting man, neither am I, but how much do you want to bet that Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder make a concerted effort to isolate Enzo since he's the weaker opponent? I would bet an inordinate amount of money on that. <laughs> I would bet so much money on it. Well, you would be correct. That is exactly what happens. And I do love seeing Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder kick the ass of this tiny dickhead. Charming, delightful. Love it every time. Watching them shove a nerd who deserves it. Now I'm getting arrested for fucking gambling on something when I knew the outcome. Oh, no! <laughs> well, I mean, you know, can you put a price on happiness? I just don't think you can. That's a good point. So it's special. We get to see him being beaten up. Cass gets tagged in and his big boot puts an end to matters and results in Scott Dawson eating the pin. Now, that's not really the point, though. The point is that Miles, unforeseen event, there is kind of, sort of a tag team division now, maybe. I know. Maybe a little bit. Who could have seen this coming? They'd done everything to prevent it, clearly. <laughs> Like, this isn't, like, the first time we've seen them as a team, I don't think. It's just so funny to see Dawson and Wilder, who will go on to, like, 
win every tag team championship in every company they go to. Like, they're the tag team champions of a company they're, like, not technically in right now, and, like, they're gonna fight for another one soon, so, like, they're just so decorated nearly a decade after this, and Enzo and Cass... Yeah. Less so, let's say. (laughs) Well, some very important tag team boys, near and dear to my heart. Yep. The Ascension attack Enzo and Cass on the ramp, taking them both out. And then they get in the ring and they wreck Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder. Victor gets on the mic and says, Hideo Itami, and then says, Finn Balor. Like he's going to follow it up with, if that's your real name. (laughs) Which it's not, to be fair. I know. It's like, no, none of these are anybody's (laughs) real name. You don't have to take that tone. That's a weird tone to take. All of these are pretend. Don't take that tone. You're making the belief suspenders wobble. They call out Itami and (laughs) Balor. God damn it. You fucking have me doing it now, kid. (laughs) Kid, you piece of shit. No, he's very handsome and lovely and I care about him. They call out Itami and Balor, making it clear that they're going to take the fight to them at the earliest opportunity. Incidentally, if you were to refer to the Ascension by their real names, you would call them Ryan and Eric. So Ryan and Eric. Let's not be That's... making any aspersions about anyone's real name, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan and Eric. I'm like, those are some dudes I went to high school with, all right? <laughs> I, they were fine. They didn't fuck up any of the stuff in chemistry class. They did okay. Yeah. Good job, Ryan and Eric. Nothing exploded. <laughs> Backstage, fan service for me in particular. <laughs> I get to see 90 seconds of William Regal in a salmon shirt, nodding seriously as Sami Zayn thanks him for the opportunity to address the NXT universe. All right. Good. Thank you. Incidentally, I do not know why that second happened. I don't know if it was just to prepare us to make sure that we understood that Sami Zayn was going to come out and be on the mic. If it was just because, well, we put a fake office together for William Regal. We should definitely film some shit in it. Like (laughs) it was 90 seconds. I don't know who it was for other than to just like show me William Regal in a West coat. Well, no, I'm going to say it the way Neil says it in a Westkit. (laughs) I have thoughts about it later on. Oh, well, I mean, they better be sexy. Otherwise I riot. But anyway, (laughs) in ring thing, Sami Zayn is heartfelt and admits that he gets why he didn't win last week. And he gets why Neville did. And he asks Neville to please come to the ring. So Neville obliges. Sammy tells him, if I can't win the big one, then I don't even know what I'm doing here. And if I can't beat you for the championship, then I'm done. And Neville tells him that, you know, I respect you. I care about you. I'm happy to give you a rematch any fucking time he wants to go as long as, you know, as long as daddy says it's okay. Because daddy's the one who's in charge. Right. And Neville does get a bit condescending in a loving way. But Sammy fucking snaps. And Regal's music hits and he comes out and announces, okay, well, Neville versus Zayn as the main event of TakeOver R Evolution. R Evolution. It's the letter R followed by a space and then the word evolution. Branding. (laughs) Neville is here for it and is like excited, but he also doesn't want to wrestle if it means that he's going to be the one to end Sammy's dream of being a wrestler. Ooh. That's the source of the condescension, right? Like he's saying like, yeah, Sammy, I don't want to be the one who ends your dream because he's just like assuming he's going to win. And that's what the crowd and Sammy both react to. Yeah. So this this implication, not even implication, just like basically, I mean, there's no other outcome, Sammy. I'm going to win and I don't want you to quit whenever I win because that would make me sad because I love you. Right. And I love you. And I don't want to beat the crap out of you, which I will definitely do. Yeah. Oh, so spicy. Zane retorts that it doesn't really matter what Neville agrees to or what's in the contract. If Zane loses, he's leaving wrestling. Power move. So what's the sex equivalent of this? Oh, God. So the sex equivalent... Of telling somebody, fuck. If I can't make you come. I quit. I quit this. I'm not having sex with you anymore. I mean, like, but that's fair, I guess. I mean, unless you're anorgasmic, in which case, like, that's not cool. Don't put that on your partner. That's rude. Unless the other person isn't anorgasmic, but they definitely have doubts about their partner's ability to bring them to climax. So they're like, you definitely won't be able to, but I don't want you to leave because of it. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Although, God, that's... (laughs) 
But then at that point, is it a power move to leave after that? I don't know. That's my question. Fuck. I don't know. I'm going to have to like pull the hard choices team together and see what we can figure out. I guess it is still kind of a power move because, I mean, what you could be saying in that scenario, depending on how you interpret it, is, again, assuming that the person has the ability to orgasm, no, you deserve better. If I can't do this for you, there is no point in us fucking. Wow. And so I refuse to put you through the emotional act fucking me. (laughs) If I can't do my fucking job. But see, then we get into the complications of, is it Sammy's job to just fight Neville and Neville's job to like be fought by Sammy Zane? I mean, sort of in a way it is their job, but I don't see now I can't think about anything Mm. except Sammy Zane and Neville fucking. And that's. (laughs) i mean were you not before i mean sort of no just because of the weird tone of everything this was a little bit more combative but not in a sexy combative way this was like head games okay interesting and you're not here for head games in your sex i not typically no i mean i can be if there's a real understanding of what the fuck we're doing here and there's a narrative arc that makes the head games really make sense but this is like head games as kind of an aperitif to this whole thing the head games are not the point yeah i guess this is more like less fucking and more their relationship yeah this is definitely like they've been fucking for a while and now like things have kind of come to a head yeah maybe winning the championship somehow would represent like commitment in this analogy like sammy's like if we're not in this for the long haul then i'm out you know i don't know (laughs) i mean yeah sammy really wants to be in it for the long haul that's for damn sure i definitely i found a little bit sexy maybe not as much as previous segments but oh no it wasn't not sexy it just wasn't like fucky i understand the distinction thank you thank you i'm (laughs) glad that you understand the distinction well thank you so much for that breakdown bob what did you think of this episode overall i am going to agree with bleacher report (laughs) (laughs) okay who i often turn to whenever i'm going i need to refresh myself on what happened they were pretty brutal because they did say oh and tyson kid wrestled cj parker for reasons unknown to anyone practicing common sense then they also said in what was easily the worst broadcast in quite some time too much attention was paid to angles of story development rather than in-ring action typically nxt excels at walking the fine line which makes Thursday's broadcast an anomaly more than anything. But they were not kind and nothing got a very high rating because I am always interested just to see what the ratings are. They did not care for it. I would say that I enjoyed parts of it, but there was a lot of it where I was like, what are we doing here? There's an article reviewing this show from Uproxx back in the day, which is written by a person who was canceled in the speaking out movement, so we're not going to talk about it. But at the time, that was also this individual's opinion. He captioned his intro to the review a whole lot of nothing. Mm -hmm. The first line of it is, the worst episodes of NXT are the ones where nothing happens. (laughs) So I don't think you're alone in this opinion in any sense of the word. I will say, for me, this episode was... I'll give you a little bonus wrestling term of the week here, Bob. Okay. There's a term in wrestling that is called the one match card. Oh. That refers to a wrestling show that is really heavily built around one match, usually the main event, and everything else is kind of filler and or, like, not important and clearly hasn't had much time put into it or, like, thought put into it, right? Uh Uh-huh. This episode felt like a bit of a one-match card for me, but the match was the segment with with (laughs) Neville and Zane. It wasn't even a match. Yeah, I think you're right. Not a whole lot else of note occurred, and be hard-pressed to call anything else that happened plot-relevant, anything. I mean, the women's match, sort of, in that it set up, you know, Bailey shenanigans, but that's about it. I mean, the women's match, I think it was 
Bailey losing to Becky is, I guess, a bit of an upset considering where Bailey was at the last takeover. She was wrestling for the championship. But that's a storyline that's been going. We're getting some development in it, but not much. Honestly, the backstage thing with her and Charlotte was more interesting to me than the match. Yeah, same. The tag team titles, we already know they're fighting. They didn't even have a direct interaction between the teams, so whatever. Kind of same goes for the Ascension Hideo Itami Finn Balor thing. Tyson Kidd cut a weird promo where he pretended to be Bret Hart for some reason. (laughs) Yeah. And then you have fucking whatever they're doing with Corbin and and Dempsey, which is, I guess it's the start of a feud, but it's the most innocuous start of a feud you could possibly (laughs) imagine. It's like they walked past each other because their matches happened in one after the other. Like, yeah. You know what, though? See, that's a feud start I can have in my own life. Right. That's true. Where you just, like, notice someone and you, like, look, they look at you wrong and you're like, what the fuck, bro? Yeah, I mean, I could start some sort of feud in my own house. We were both reaching for the same thing at the same time. And it's like, no, we're in a feud now. Like, I don't know what that means because we're not going to fight. But, like, I guess we just, like, cut promos on one another periodically. Well, I mean, I don't mean to say that, like, all that stuff that's not Neville and Zane is bad, per se. Because it's not, but I just think it's not exciting. It's not like anything that really moves the needle. Like, even if that little thing that happens as a fuse starter works, it's not going to jumpstart you. It's not going to kick up your blood pressure as you're, like, watching this episode of NXT, right? Everything they're doing is executed more or less reasonably well, but it's just kind of a a lull in a couple different storylines at once, it feels like. And then you've got the Sammy Neville thing where it's like, we're really hitting the storyline hard for the second week in a row. It makes everything else feel even more full by comparison, which is very true. Fine, because that's what having Sammy and Neville is going to do for you. But still. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I think we should delve a little deeper into some of the things we experienced, some of the senses that we engaged when watching this episode. So with that in mind, let's get into the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. So, Megan Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Simon Gotch holding the ropes open for Aiden English. It was <laughs> so romantic. Because he held them open extra good. He did. He did such a good job. And I was like, oh, you love him. It's cute. So that's what I was just really appreciated it. <laughs> All right, Miles, what did your elf eyes see? I want to talk a little bit about the little people wrestling. Mm-hmm. Because I noticed a few things during that segment that I was thinking about while I was watching this episode. First of all, they're wearing Nacho Libre masks. Oh. Which was just, we're constantly questioning when it comes to the costume department, like, is this a choice or is this what you had backstage? Mm. I'm very curious as to the answer to that question in this case, because those were very clearly masks from the 2006 Jack Black vehicle, Nacho Libre. But more interesting to me, I think, was, like, their performances in a weird way. So I totally understand why you and anyone else would just, like, find this ridiculously offensive and tune out. And I'm not saying I didn't find it that. Mm -hmm. There's a weirdly long history of little people in professional wrestling. A long tradition of it, especially in, maybe not especially, but, like, very much in Mexico, Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in Lucha Libre. And in fact, in Lucha Libre, they have had arguably their most success because yes. like you've got wrestlers like Mascarita Sagrada and others who are awesome. <laughs> like you yeah. get into the ring and they fucking tear it up. And WWE has also had their fair share of little people as characters and performers. Although obviously their presentation of it is far less tasteful than literally anyone else's because mm-hmm. they're the WWE. So I think maybe it's with that context in mind that I saw this and was like, well, this isn't that bad. I mean, this is still, like, happening. When Sharon and I were just on vacation, we drove up the 395 through the Sierra Nevadas, and while we were driving through this town in Northern California, and we saw a sign advertising Little People Wrestling. Like, there was a wrestling show with them exclusively coming up in a couple of weeks. It's still a thing that that happens, and it's still kind of a part of the wrestling landscape. Mm -hmm. 
so when you're gonna deal with that in wwe it's all about in my mind how it's presented Mm -hmm. now i don't love the trope of heels bring out little people dressed up as their opponent because aha isn't that funny and then they beat them up yeah not my favorite use of little people in wrestling by a long shot however A lot of the times what happens is they'll come out and they'll be like, yeah, we're going to fight you. And they just get their asses kicked. What I noticed in this episode, what my elf eyes saw, was that when they came to the ring, their names as listed on Cage Match are Calistrito and Sin Carito. That's what somebody chose to call them. But what they do is they walk into the ring they like go up to the VOD villains and like raise their hands like they want high fives. They go up and say hi. Hey guys, how you doing? Thank you so much for like paying us to be out here or whatever. And then like Aiden English gets this super villainous look on his face and like calls for the referee in this very sinister manner. And the little guys are start going like, wait, wait, what? No, we, we had a we had a deal, man. What's going on here? And then they get like ambushed and beat up. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's weirdly better. Because, like, it doesn't imply that they're inherently inferior opponents. It just implies that the VOD villains, like, deceived them and betrayed them so that they could ambush them. Okay. I don't, like, have... I'm not going to die on any hills here if, like, people want to weigh in on this and tell me I'm wrong and that this is way more offensive than I'm making it out to be. Please tell me. I want to know how people feel about this. And again, it might just be because I've seen so many worse examples. But... This, if they were gonna do this, this might have been the best version of it. I'm not saying they should have. Yeah. But if they were going to, I didn't hate it as much as I think I did in like a hundred different alternate universes, if that makes sense. No, I get that. I get that. It's the best version of a bad thing. Yes. There you go. Exactly. All right, Bob, after all that long-winded explanation of various sites of this show, what did your Vulcan ears hear? Victor on the mic saying... We are not dead, but the two of you very soon will be to Finn Balor and Hideo Itami. And I was like, come on, come on. Who says we're not dead unless you are dead? Like, what? That's not anything. You don't tell people like, I'm not a criminal, but you will be by the time. What? No, (laughs) you don't do that. And so I'm like, it made no fucking sense. No, it didn't make any sense. But more than that, I was just like, you decided to come out here and publicly say, definitely not a vampire, but we are going to kill you. (laughs) I'm like, uh, come on. We all know. We all know you're blood drinkers. It's fine. You don't have to be weird about it. It's cool. But it was cute. I liked it. I'm out of the closet, guys. Just not during the day. Yeah, exactly. Miles, what's your Vulcaneers here? I don't think you mentioned Enzo and Cass's pre-match promo at all, Bob. I did not. It was something, though. It was something. This promo was built around games and the names of games because, oh god, what did they say? Like Parker Brothers. We're not the Parker Brothers because we don't play games or something like that. Yep. They did the Enzo says something, Cass says, how you doing? Shtick that they do. And it was like, we won't feel sorry for you. You know, we're going to scrabble your brains. We're going to connect four to your eye, something like that. But one of them was, we're going to monopolize you. I didn't understand, but I also was like, eh, like, do I have to understand? Probably not. I was thinking about that and turning that one over in my head, going like, what do you mean by that? And like, (laughs) if you wanted to be super innocent, maybe it means we're going to get you in your corner and not let you tag out. Like it happens in tag team matches and is good tag team strategy. And if you're going to be me about it, maybe you start thinking of it as a sex thing. Mm. So, you know, we're going to monopolize you, baby. Nobody else gets to come in this bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, how am I hornier than you on this episode? (laughs) (laughs) I wrote it at a weird time of the day. (laughs) All right, Bob, maybe this will bring out the boner in you. What did your human heart feel? This is just an awe, not a... The crowd chanting yah for the ascension, because I'm so glad that they still care about them a little bit. I was just really like, yeah, you do still love them. You remember and you care for all of those fucking squash matches that they put on (laughs) for you. That no one cared about, but that they still came out here and they did a fucking job and they did their best to make you happy. 
I don't know. They are an institution. Yeah. You ever have like an ex or something where it's not like it was great or anything, but they were nice and it was pretty good. And you're like, it didn't work out, but you know, they were sweet and they tried and we weren't for each other, but they were still a good person. And then you see good things happen to them later on. You're like, good. I'm glad. Like, that's nice. Yeah. I want the Ascension to be remembered fondly for all that they gave in this relationship. I've not had many exes, so I'm not sure I've ever had that particular experience. But certainly the ones I do have, I wish well, although maybe not quite in the same way. Mm, mm. Not without caveats. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. No, I mean, I don't have many exes either, but I do have a very sweet one who was like, oh, every time I'm like, I'm so happy that your life is working out. You did good, baby. Congratulations. Yeah. Miles, what did your human heart feel? I just like really wanted to get more into the women's division storyline in this episode. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that the th- little thing that happened backstage with Charlotte and Bailey. Yeah. Is basically the plot of this book that my son loves about the Pixar film Cars. Oh. Because he's obsessed with cars and he yes. likes books about cars. There's an, a, a book that he loves. It's called Look Out for Mater. Mater, of course, being the tow truck voiced by Larry the Cable Guy. Yes. The other main characters are Lightning McQueen, yeah. voiced by Owen Wilson, and his girlfriend, Sally, voiced by Bonnie Hunt. In this book, which is not like a retelling of any of the movies, this is like an additional canon material in the Cars universe. Okay. It's part of the expanded Cars universe, I see. Right. So it takes place shortly after the first film, and Sally is going away. She's going out of town, and she tells Lightning that he has to look out for Major while she's gone and make sure that he doesn't get in any trouble. Uh-huh. Which... Of course, Lightning utterly fails at doing. (laughs) But I'm not saying that becoming a parent has warped my brain, but that's exactly what I'm saying. Oh my god. Well, I hope it works out for Mater whenever this whole thing kicks off. Oh man, he loses his tow cable briefly. They have to like have the doctor put it back on. It's a whole thing. Oh shit. Jeez. This is some serious shit in this book. It's not for the weak of heart, only for the two-year-old of heart. <laughs> well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. It is now time, Bob, to award one or more lucky competitors with the Lawrence Bolivier Award for Outstanding Commitment to the Bit. So, Megan, Bob, who gets your Lawrence Olivier Award for this episode? I mean, I could give it to Sammy in a walk, but I'm not going to give it to Sammy. I'm going to give it to Charlotte. Okay. Because Charlotte is putting off all this butch girlfriend energy. But like butch girlfriend who's like, okay, I don't really do like the soft squishy stuff. But it's also like, yeah, but your girlfriend is a soft squish. Right, right, right. So uh, clearly you're into (laughs) it. And then whenever the soft squish is like, oh, I love you. And they're like. Yeah, I, I do love you. Like, I do. Because you're soft squish and I picked you. It's like, oh, it's so cute. It's so fucking cute. <sighs> Miles, who is getting your Lawrence Bolivier Award? My Lawrence Olivier Award is going to Sami Zayn. I've been finding excuses to not give it to him and or Neville for the past several episodes, I feel like, because it's boring. You can resist no more. It's boring when you pick the same thing over and over again, but they have deserved it, and there's just nobody for me who comes close to Sammy in this episode. I just really want to emphasize how natural his delivery is compared to a lot of professional wrestlers. And there's a, a couple of things about this entire thing that really stood out to me. The fact as you pointed out, that he goes to Regal's office mm-hmm. solely for the purpose of thanking mm-hmm. him for giving him time in the ring to address the fans. Nobody fucking does that. Nobody does that. Nobody ever thanks him. Nobody's nice to William Regal. Nobody's no, nice to any authority that. figure. I mean, that's not even like, I'm not even trying to say people are mean. Like, you don't have to. You don't have to go to the authority <laughs> figure and thank them for ring time. People just do it all the time. If everybody thanked the authority figure for their time to talk to the audience in the ring, that would be the entire show. 
<laughs> but he does it, and I think it's deliberate because it's like, this is who Sami Zayn is. Oh, damn. He is the nicest person in the world. He greets every backstage interviewer with a smile and asks how they are and, you know, flirts with them occasionally. He goes backstage <laughs> to talk to Regal to thank him for fucking his time in front of the audience. And then in this promo, I just don't know that I've ever heard anybody do it quite like this, where he's like, no, this is bullshit. If I can't do this, then why am I even here? Yeah, it's so powerful. I love more than anything when Neville is like, you know, because they do this all the time, right? They make the stipulation like, if I don't win this match, my career is going to be over. And like, they've done the thing before where it's like, I refuse to be the one who ends your career. I mean, fucking Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels did that in 2008. Mm-hmm. In the match that we always talk about, the I'm Sorry, I Love You match, that was part of the storyline leading up to that, is Michaels refusing to be the one who ends Flair's career. So it's not that it's never been done before. Mm-hmm. I just love Sammy, just like, when Neville says that, he's just like, I mean, whatever, you can't stop me from quitting. Yeah. So, like, put it in the fucking contract or not. I don't care. If I can't beat you, I'm done. And then it's like walking away. Oh, my God. It's just, I cannot emphasize enough how head and shoulders above everyone else Sammy is. The only person he's not, like, ridiculously far above is Neville, and he's still above Neville in terms of just, like, portraying his character. And it amazes me every time, and I hope I never stop being amazed by how good at pro wrestling Sammy Zayn is. You know, I got to see him at a house show. Yeah. Very recently. And he was extraordinary extraordinary to see him in a non-ideal situation like he did cut a promo Mm -hmm. before it and he was about being an honorary member of the fucking (laughs) the bloodline well because he's healed now so he's doing a different shtick yeah but he was electric then and he was electric working with the crowd and He didn't have to be. It's a house show. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no obligation for him to show up and bring it that hard. Yeah. Other than, like, do you want to be good at your job? And also, how much do you care about how good at your job you are? He was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I can't believe that he's putting on this for this situation. Like, he doesn't have to, but he is. We should probably save this whole conversation for, like, when we ring the bell for him down the road but like he's such an interesting person in the wrestling industry i'm continually fascinated by the fact that like i thought during this period in 2014 i couldn't even imagine the idea of him turning heel how would you turn him heel how would you even do that yeah and then when he did it i was like oh my god i can't believe they're trying to do it and then he was amazing at it yeah like everybody always wants people like him who came from the independent scene to leave WWE and go to AEW. And I just don't even know what AEW would do with him. Would they put him back in a mask? Because Sami Zayn was not a character on the independent scene. On the independent scene, he was El Generico. And that was a different character. Sammy will tell you himself. That was Sammy will tell you it was a different person. (laughs) Who even is he aside from this extremely carefully crafted and weirdly internally consistent wwe character i'm just fucking happy that he's living his best life with his best friend yes they're both in wwe they're both getting paid and he's doing good things with his life and i'm just i fucking love him i just fucking love him that's all no i'm with you i don't need anything else from Sami Zayn other than that Sami Zayn be happy that is all i need absolutely all right bob we are coming close to the end of our show but on our last episode we discussed the wrestling term blading and i'm very curious to hear your fanfic for this term i think you're gonna see this coming a fucking mile away all right i guarantee you i won't because i had i'm not seeing anything okay all of the trainees at xavier's school for gifted wrestlers have talked about it. <laughs> the wrestlers at magneto school were allowed to blade all they liked and some of their matches were even talked about in hardcore circles Emma Frost, in particular, was known for letting her white ring gear get bloodstained in dramatic fashion. Oh, shit! Professor X took a dim view of that and didn't allow it at his wrestling school, but getting color happened sometimes, and the students had thoughts about it. I don't think they do it on purpose, Rogue said, lacing up her boots. 
Bobby scoffed. There's no way they don't. Did you see the way Jean was bleeding during that match with Cyclops? Kitty shook her head. Come on, that was an accident. He just got her eyebrow open. Exactly. It's not like they'd go against Professor Xavier like that, Rogue added. Yeah, but the pop is crazy every single time. Think about Storm's fight with Wolverine. Did you see that crimson mask she had going on? That was perfect. I don't think you get that by accident. She was totally bleeding. Or she had Wolverine do it for her, Bobby said. <laughs> Kitty shrugged. Maybe. But why doesn't Wolverine ever do it then? He's the closest thing to hardcore we have and you don't ever see him bleeding. It's weird how he never bleeds from any of the stuff he does. I mean, he's good. But is anyone that good at wrestling? Rogue asked. <laughs> Nothing about being good at wrestling came the voice from behind them. Wolverine had his claws out, trimming the end off a cigar. Bleeding and me don't get along. He made a deep cut along one cheek that opened up with blood coating a claw, but the cut closed up slowly behind, leaving barely a trace. But that means it doesn't matter what you do. You're just never going to get color like everyone else. You just heal up, Kitty asked. Wolverine nodded. Dude, that sucks. You're never going to get that crowd reaction then. You can take anything and they're never going to do that big crimson mask pop for you. That's got to hurt. Every time, Wolverine said, <laughs> lighting his cigar. <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was the best line. that was the best line oh my god that one popped me out of nowhere you know who i gotta thank for that who's that i gotta thank neil butler because uh, uh i was like babe babe i don't fucking know what i'm gonna do for plating tell me and i was like there's got to be something here and he was like oh wolverine and i was like babe you're a genius you're a fucking genius he gave me that line and i was like oh i'm gonna doubly marry you. i'm gonna triple marry you for this shit you're a genius baby oh it's so good thank you so much for that fanfic bob i know hey babe thanks for helping me not fuck this up you're a hero <laughs> promise we're going to get back to a regularly scheduled wrestling term of the week on our next episode but for now bob it's about time to end the show and to do that we have to complete the cheap pop quiz all right am i gonna get a third point a third point bob currently rolling with two here we go yeah all of these bob are in service of seeing where you think some stories are going just so you know. All right. So question number one. On this episode, Charlotte warned Bailey to stay away from Sasha next week. How does Bailey interpret that advice? <laughs> Is it A, she goes to the ring and calls Sasha and Becky out directly, leading to the two of them coming out to beat her up? B, she goes to the ring and cuts a vague promo about standing up against bullies, but before she can finish it, Sasha and Becky come out and beat her up. C. She hunts Sasha and Becky down backstage and attacks them herself, but is overpowered and gets beaten up. D. Sasha and Becky try to beat Bailey up after her match with Alexa Bliss, but Bailey wisely heeds Charlotte's advice and avoids them. Or E. No idea. None of the women in question appear on the next episode. Ooh. I like this vague bullying thing. This sounds great. I hope that's what happens. All right. So she goes to the ring and cuts a vague promo about standing up against bullies, which brings out Sasha and Becky. Yeah, I mean, but I, I like the idea of her listening to her GF and like, maybe Charlotte's going to be like, I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you extra smooches, but I don't see that happening. Okay. Question number two. What additional shenanigans do the VOD villains have in store for the Lucha Dragons on the next episode? Is it A, nothing too creative, they just attack them after the Lucha Dragons match with Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger. B, they come out to the ring for the Lucha Dragons match with Jordan and Dillinger and perform exaggerated pantomime every time something bad happens to the dragons. <laughs> C, Aiden English returns to his roots and performs an anti-Lucha Dragon musical number in the ring while Simon Gotch acts out the lyrics beside him. D, 
They film an entire black and white short film in which they stop the Lucha Dragons from blowing up a bank with dynamite, complete with old school dialogue cards. Or E, nothing. Neither team appears on the next episode. Well, I want the black and white film. I want it too bad not to pick it. Okay, so you're choosing D, the black and white film. I sure am. Alrighty. And question number three. After all the drama from last episode, what happens on the next episode to advance the story of Adrian Neville and Sami Zayn? Is it A, they have a contract signing that ends when Zayn slaps Neville in the face? B, they have a contract signing that ends when Neville slaps Zayn in the face. C. Neville tries to back out of the proposed championship match at TakeOver, despite having previously agreed to it. D. Neville and Zayn compete in a beat-the-clock challenge to determine who will choose the stipulation for their championship match at TakeOver. Or E. Neither man appears on the next episode, because you need some goddamn breathing room, and the air is this thick with sexual tension. I'm gonna say... E. You're gonna say E, neither man appears. Yep. Alright. We'll come back on the next episode to see how Bob did on this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of the Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, as always, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It is a pleasure, even if I can't hear the dulcet tones of my beautiful Irish husband joining us on this recording. I mourn the loss, but I can just go in the other room and ask him to say something. It's true. He would not appreciate that he is working right now. (laughs) That would be an annoyance that would not be appreciated. Well, last episode during this outro, Bob, I missed your dulcet tones. Aww, but look, Simon did a great job. Look, if you ever need... You know, somebody to step in and substitute. I would listen to Simon's breakdown. He did pretty good. He did pretty good. But it did mean that I wasn't able to update any of our patrons who we love very much for their support on the situation with the Next Wrestling Fan Federation, which, as we last left it, had endured a change in the timeline that had left a potentially evil Charles Recon as the Next Wrestling (laughs) Federation champion. Yeah, that's been concerning let's say yeah and you know i wish that we had the time to get into all of the nuances of the storyline and just like really lay out everything that happened and where everybody ended up in the future timeline and and how this all happened and what the internal rules of time shenanigans are in this universe look i don't like time travel stories the only reason (laughs) i can deal with doctor who is because They only make cursory references to how time travel works. All right. Well, you know what? In that case, I definitely have it all written. It's definitely things that I know happen that I have, like, concretely in my mind and written down. There's no need to, like, even suspect otherwise. Like, I know some of you might be thinking that I might just be, like, too busy to come up with that shit right now. That's not the case. Okay? I actually do have it, but Bob doesn't want to hear it. So that's why we're not going into all of it right now. That's Bob's fault. No, I don't. I categorically don't. What I want to know is that at one point there was a flood of ostriches in the promotion. That was a weird (laughs) timeline. There was another timeline where we didn't actually have a wrestling promotion. Uh It was a bobsled team. That was really weird. And then there was another time where... Dinosaurs existed concurrent with humans, and there was a dinosaur who was briefly an authority figure in the promotion. Interesting. All things that are true and that I could expound upon if Bob wanted me to, but Bob doesn't want me to. No, I don't, because you're going to say something about how the time travel works, and I hate that. Right. That's not a thing you want to hear. Just say, Jeremy, bear me, the end. (laughs) Oh, the good place. The lessons you've taught us. What I will tell you is that the entire storyline culminated, Bob, in a gritty resistance (gasps) to the evil Charles Recon's empire and an iron-fisted control over the next Wrestling Fed Federation rising up to challenge the powers that be in this strange new reality for not only the next Wrestling Fan Federation championship, which is on the line, but for control 
over the promotion, control over the time stream. As it so often is in these situations, the match was five on five elimination. Oh, wow. On the evil side, the side of those who were protecting the status quo, we had Charles Recon, of course, yes. the next wrestling fan federation champion. His his faithful lieutenant, LaBlanca. Oh, wow. Not entirely surprising to see Harley Hale on that side of things, looking very glam and very evil. And then we had, of course, Addison Hush. Addison Hush, in this new reality, chanting his band. So, oh, wow. Strong line. Addison Hush, a lot of power in this one. And then perhaps the most surprising, for our, from our perspective, is uh, Evil Changeling. Okay. That is, wow. Yeah, Evil Changeling on this side of things. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, things have gotten bad. I can't confirm whether or not she has, uh, like, an evil beard. Okay. It's very much in play. On the good team, we have some of the other people that we've seen involved in the time travel shenanigans before. Flash Orion, Paul Jeffries, who is now an actual wrestler and not just a manager. We have, of course, if we have Evil Changeling, we have to have Good Neil. Aww, that's cute. So Good Neil is on the side of the angels in this one. We have Oliver Silvers and we have... Harry Bumblespike, the very conflicted Harry Bumblespike, who we've seen go through a lot over the past few months. Yeah. This match, just lots going on, lots of combat. You know, again, it's an elimination match, so it, it all comes down in the end, as I think it has to, to Charles Recon and Harry Bumblespike. I will say that at one point, the heels brought out their kind of secret weapon, which was that weird John Doe guy who imitates other people. Uh huh. He was fortunately evened out when Harley Hale turned <gasps> on the villains. Fuck yeah. Because nobody controls this shit but her. <laughs> no, fuck no. <laughs> and in the end, it was in fact down to Charles Recon and Harry Bumblespike, and Harry Bumblespike, against all odds, managed to defeat Charles Recon and reclaim the next Wrestling Fan Federation Championship for a third time. Whoa. This is now starting to become... This is a pattern at this point. Now I have... Concerns, Miles, grave concerns that we may be, in fact, looking at you, Charles Recon, in a time loop. Mm. You know my feelings about time loops. I do. I know how much you love them. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Uh, I think you can lay those concerns to rest, Bob, because Harry Bumblespike recapturing the championship. And you remember how, like, obsessed Harry Bumblespike was with the championship, with, like, getting the championship back. And when they get it back, they just look at it. And they cast it aside. (gasps) Whoa. Because the pursuit of the championship is what led to people turning evil and led to all these horrible things happening. And they realize the title is corrupting them and they don't need it to be a fully realized individual. They can be a great wrestler without the title. They've already proved themselves. They cast that championship aside. And for reasons that, again, I definitely know but cannot explain because Bob wouldn't like it, that act restores the original timeline holy shit that's beautiful that's a gritty groundhog day sort of i haven't seen groundhog day i don't know how that story works that's probably what happens (laughs) yes at the end of groundhog day he cast aside the championship actually it is kind of what happens at the end of groundhog day when you think about it yeah yeah because i understand cultural references i don't know jack shit about them in specificity but he casts aside the championship of whatever the fuck he's on about, and then that's how he gets Andy McDowell. The end. Yeah, exactly. He casts aside the championship of, like, his own ego, basically. Yeah, exactly. So this is, look, these are the same stories. Right. But anyway, just real act of self-actualization there by Harry Bumblespike. So proud. The result of all of this, when the timeline is restored, is that the championship is vacant. Oh. And so we're going to need to figure something out about this, how we figure out who the next champion is. But that's a subject for another outro. For now, we salute Harry Bumblespike, who has restored the proper timeline thanks to their uh, selflessness. Just very much appreciate the, I would say, the most decorated Next Wrestling Fan Federation champion that we've had. Yeah, absolutely. And also the most noble and self-sacrificing that we've had. You know, everybody else was in it for the glory. And Harry Bumblespike, for a while, they were. But, you know... They saw the greater good, and damn, damn, that is some Frodo shit. Way to go, Harry Bumblespike. All right, y'all. Well, that was your uh, Next Wrestling Fan Federation update for this outro. Thank you all so much for being patrons. We appreciate you more than words can say. We appreciate you, I think, I think, 
more than Megan Bob appreciates William Regal these days. Wow. And that's a I lot. Mean, that's that, saying a lot. Let's say they're tied. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. I look, look, y'all. I'm looking at you right now. There is some stuff in the works on the Hard Choices Patreon that I can't talk about just yet. But it has meant for me a revisiting, a rekindling of my relationship with AO3. (laughs) And things are, I'm not going to say that they're serious between me and AO3 right now. Uh But AO3, because William Regal is back on television in a meaningful way, AO3 has access to William Regal in a, you know, ongoing way. And there is William Regal fanfic that is happening on the regular. I am thriving. I'm not going to talk about the pairing that is most prevalent, although it's very cute and I do like it. It's not, I would say, my personal favorite ship, but I'm happy that it's out there. This is a golden time to be into Daddy Regal. And so I am I'm very happy right now. And that's what's going on in wrestling for me personally. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. And also a small segment of the wrestling fanfic, although not as small as you'd fucking think, segment of the wrestling fanfic community. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it is a good time to be on AO3 searching for William Regal. So if you just want to know what's out there, if you just want to see what's underneath that waistcoat, I don't know if he ever takes off the waistcoat. I don't. In my mind, he never (laughs) takes it off. He's always wearing the waistcoat. But yeah, it's good. He fucks in that waistcoat. It's, oh, damn, damn. Although, also on AEW, Neil and I have taken to watching, is William Regal wearing his comfy peepum's shoes or is he wearing his fashion shoes it depends on the night it Uh really depends on the night miles what's up in wrestling for you a lot of things i've been watching a lot of it lately but i I do just want to like weigh in on william regal real quick because Mm -hmm. probably the thing that gave me the most emotion in wrestling recently is the fact that he was done so dirty by the rest of that commentary team there was a match on i think dynamite between jericho and Wheeler Yuta, who is part of Regal's group in AEW. Yes. And at one point in the match, very good match. At one point in the match, Yuta pulls out the Regal stretch. <gasps> William Regal's like signature submission. Yes. You can just hear Regal like waiting for somebody else to call it that. <gasps> and they don't. Oh. Fucking Excalibur. Oh. The man who knows three names for every wrestling move does not recognize the Regal stretch and eventually Regal just has to be like, well, you know, (laughs) I mean, it would be gauche of me to call my own move, but yes, that is the Regal stretch, which (gasps) I talked to him. (laughs) I guess I'll do it. This isn't awkward at all. Oh, oh. I kind of hate Excalibur forever now. (gasps) Oh, no. And I love Excalibur so much. I... Just to spoil AO3 a little bit for you, there are, William Regal makes a habit of flirting with Excalibur outrageously sometimes. I mean, he does that on the fucking broadcast. Wait, are you serious? He, wait, 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 what? Tell me about, he flirts with Excalibur on the podcast. Tell me what? No, 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 on the broadcast, on the broadcast. Oh, yeah, okay. Like on AEW TV, he flirts with them all the time. Yes, he flirts with Excalibur outrageously on AEW sometimes, and there is some Excalibur William Regal fanfic, and it is precious. Amazing. But yeah, goddammit, he's, look, you're having a covert affair with him, Excalibur. The least you could do is fucking call the man's moves. Call the man's moves? Like, oh my god, I was so annoyed by it. It's fine, though. It's honestly fine. I can only imagine Excalibur was desperately trying to make sure that Jim Ross didn't say something stupid. That's okay. If I get tired of Excalibur, I can always just go over to WWE, where they care about women's wrestling. So, Mm. you know. Anyway. I mean, a little bit. Somewhat. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that has been our uh, wrestling commentary for this outro as well. That's going to be it for us. We're going to go, but... Thank you so much to everybody who listens to this. Thank you so much to everybody who supports us in whatever way you do, monetarily, spiritually, however way you support us. You support us just by listening to this show and being here on this journey with us. So cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. As I said, 
even more than we appreciate William Regal, or at least as much. Yeah, I definitely as much. Absolutely as much. But you don't even know how much I appreciate William Regal. You think you know. You cannot possibly. No one can. (laughs) Thank you all so much. Thank you to Lucas for editing this. Yeah. We love you so much, buddy. And uh, we'll see you all in two weeks for a new episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. (gasps) Yeah. The NXT Wrestling Fan is produced by Lucas Brown, with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for his theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at incompetech.filmmusic.io. We're on Twitter and Facebook at the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at NXTWrestlingFan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Yeah! <laughs> just, a, just a little thing best. I'm trying out. That was the best one ever. <laughs>